Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Amen, amen, amen. Isn't God faithful today? Aren't you thankful for a God who is faithful? Oh man, I tell you what, it's amazing uh, to sit here today and to see the faithfulness of God. I want to remind you that God is not only faithful in this church, but God is faithful in your life. Uh, and I think that's a, an important distinction. He's not just faithful here at faith. He's faithful in your life. He's faithful in the struggles of your life. In the ups, the downs, the difficulties, God is faithful. And I want you to remember that today. Maybe there's someone here today that needs to be reminded in the midst of whatever you're going through that God is faithful. And uh, we are thankful for a God that's faithful. I'm thankful for a God of life change. And you guys know, if you've been here before, you guys know how much I love baptisms, how important that is for me, that whole understanding of old life, uh, being buried in the old and raised the new in Christ. It is amazing. Um, profession of what God has done on the inside of our hearts. It's his public profession, and it is amazing. I love it. I love the symbolism of it. I love the importance of it. Uh, as I told all the baptism, uh, all those who got baptized today, uh, and really every time, is not only is it an important moment in their lives, but it's an important moment in each one of our lives. I said this morning, this was kind of a, a neat moment, I said there are going to be people in this room that have committed their heart to Jesus and are looking for those next steps. And those who were faithful and obedient to what God is doing in their life to get baptized today will inspire some of you to take a connect card and say, excuse me, and say, I want to get baptized. And to take that next step in your own life. What, what it also will do, and I know this is true for many of you and for myself as well, is that when you see somebody get baptized, it takes you back to that moment for you. Right? How many of you guys know that? It takes you back to that moment in your life when you go, oh man, I remember when. I remember when in that tank for me when I was baptized. And uh, uh, man, I, I just, it's that moment of remembrance of God is faithful. God is faithful. Hey, we're going to jump into our series of Colossians here this morning, and uh, so thankful that you're with us today, and excited about what the Lord is going to do uh, in and through our lives today, um, and really walking through the book of Colossians. I want to encourage you, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up, turn them on, or uh, if you don't have one, you can uh, take one out of the pew. I think, uh, if my memory serves me right, it's on page 711, if that's correct. Yes, okay, thank you. Excuse me. Uh, and also, for those of you, I know there's a handful of people in here that are looking at me and you're saying, he's struggling, his voice, what's going on? And many of you feel compelled right now to do something for me. <coughs> Let me just say this. Uh, once it warms up, I'll be all right. Uh, every year, you guys remember last, every year I get this. Uh, and I told Mandy the other day, remember the illustration I said last year about Mandy in medicine? Uh, and I said, uh, Mandy, what was that medicine? Uh, so I'm already submitting uh, to my wife's <laughs> leadership in my life <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> take. But for right now, today, I will have a little uh, cough. It's okay. It's welcome to the springtime. Okay, anyways, uh, uh, it's too early for spring, but, well, I saw some motorcycles on the road. Uh, but let's, 
<coughs> Let's jump into Colossians. Uh, we're going to stay in the first chapter this morning. I want to remind you a little bit of the book of Colossians and some of the, the history that we talked about last week in regards to Colossians. This letter is one of the prison epistles that Paul wrote when he was in prison in Rome uh, to the church in Colossae. And I uh, never visited there. Right. This is he heard of what God was doing in that church and, and, and in many ways was a result of Paul's ministry nearby. But but he had never visited there. And so um, Paul was writing to help help them as they were in our words today, finding and following Jesus. Right. And so he was helping them out. And I think it's important to look as we jump into today's portion of Scripture to understand a couple things that he was writing to help them with. Again, as new believers, I mean, we see this in our own world, you, you often are inundated by information, and sometimes it's difficult to understand what's right, what's wrong, sometimes, oh, and there it is. Uh, thank you so much, I appreciate it, awesome. And so, uh, although I, I'll use it later because I don't wanna put a cough drop in and choke, that'd be a whole nother story for you guys. Uh, but to thank you for it, I appreciate, appreciate that for sure. And so, um, but, uh, uh, we get information and sometimes have a hard time um, trying to process right from wrong. Sometimes things sound really good, but ah, and, and there's oftentimes in our lives when there's just nuances in what's being said that makes you go, man, I'm struggling with this. We see this in today's world, right? Uh, in, in fact, there's a couple uh, heresies or false teachings that Paul is addressing in the book of Colossians that I think are really important. There's some themes in the book of Colossians as Paul is writing this letter to this church to help them to kind of process information really surrounding a couple different things. One of the themes that he's writing to is this uh, heresy about uh, Gnosticism, right? Uh, this Gnosticism, which really would deny the deity of Christ. And so they're struggling with, they're talking through, there's a teaching that is denying the, the authority, the deity, the, the, that Jesus was God, was fully God and fully man. There was a struggle there. And Gnosticism, which is really based on this understanding of knowledge and knowing, Gnosticism in its core uh, would say that we all have a little bit of God in us and therefore knowledge is, you know, those kind of things. And that's the false teaching that Paul was directing uh, to them at that point. We don't see a ton of that today. You know what we do see a lot today is what we would call agnostic, right? Very similar, uh, but agnosticism is something that we see a lot in our world, uh, which I think Colossians also speaks to. So I'll kind of unpack that for us. If you've ever heard somebody say, I'm agnostic, or if you heard somebody talk about that, what is agnosticism? It is really, um, agnosticism really falls in this. It's, it's this, there may be a God or there may not be, I don't know. And if there is, uh, you may be able to know him or you may not, I don't know, right? So agnosticism is kind of one of these belief systems that says, you know what, we don't know, and uh, you know, if there is, cool, if there's not, cool, if, if there is and you can know him, cool, if there is and you can't know him, cool, it's kind of this, um, kind of this riding the fence, so to speak, right? So that's, we see a lot of that in today's world. Uh, this agnosticism, this kind of, you know, there's not a denial. They would not deny that there's no God. They would say, oh, yeah, there could, yeah, there could be a God. But to say that Jesus is Lord and to say that Jesus was fully God and fully man, that he is the Savior of the world as we believe that Jesus came to this earth, that God so loved the world that he gave his son, right? John 3, 16, uh, and that Jesus came to this earth in a, uh, in a miraculous way, 
right? And lived a sinless life and sacrificed his life on the cross, right? And then three days later, overcoming uh, death, hell, and the grave, rising again, providing salvation for us all. And, and, and listen, you know what that's a segue for? Easter. Come on, how many of you guys are excited for Easter? Easter is going to be the end of March this year. I want to encourage you. Uh, our team has been planning and preparing from Palm Sunday to Easter. There's a lot going on. You want to be a part of faith at Easter time, okay? Uh, promise you, promise you, promise you. You want to be a part of faith at Easter. So from, from uh, Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday on March 31st. But anyways, that story, what do we celebrate at Easter is the, really the message, the story of Jesus coming to earth, fully God, fully man, surrendering his life, giving his life, sacrificing his life for us so that we can be forgiven of our faults and our wrongs, so that we can be, uh, and I'm gonna talk about this a little bit more later on, but so that we can be, uh, have relationship with God and spend eternity with him, we have hope in heaven because of it. What an awesome understanding and reality. Now, I, I went through that really fast, and if you've never heard that before, you're going, whoa, what's all that? Uh, we'll unpack it over time. But, uh, but today, that's really, that's really what we believe. And so agnostics would say, hey, maybe, you know, sure, I don't know. Uh, you really can't know, can you? And we would say, yes, you can know. And so I want to jump into Colossians because uh, there are going to be times, even in our own lives here, that we are going to approach somebody or have a conversation with somebody and, and you're going to find some of these things. You go, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. You may be sitting at the lunch table or in your break room at, at your office and have a conversation with somebody and you're like, man, that doesn't feel right. And I want to focus our attention to Colossians because Colossians here in this portion of scripture really gives us a lot of great information and it would also be a great thing to read uh, with someone who is struggling. So let's do this. Let's do like we did last week. You guys remember last week I started something uh, that we don't often do here, but uh, I want you to open your Bibles up to the book of Colossians. And uh, if you have them, you've got them turned on, Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verse 15 through verse 24. 23, I'm sorry, 23. Uh, verse 15 through verse 23. And let's do this. Can we stand as I read God's word uh, this morning? And, uh, you know, get, get some more movement in. And uh, all right, here we go. I love it. What a, what a neat thing to just take a moment to stand in honor of God's word. I know we don't do this often, but from time to time, why not, right? Here we go. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Follow along with me. <coughs> Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. I just want to keep talking about this stuff. This is so good. Here we go. I'm just going to read it. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. Verse 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Verse 18, Christ is also the head of the church, which is, the, which is his body. He is the beginning, 
supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. And that's what I was referring to before on the cross. Because of Jesus sacrificing his life on the cross, we are reconciled back to him and have relationship with God because of that very act. Verse 21, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 23, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Before we sit, let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will plant your word deep into our heart and deep into our minds that your word will not be a book that we carry, but it will be living inside of us, that it will change us and transform us, that it will guide us and direct us. God, today, help us to learn from your word and help us to never be the same because of your presence in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you for doing that uh, this morning. What an incredible portion of scripture. I mean, if I were teaching a class on this, uh, we would spend weeks and weeks and weeks on this. Uh, I, I was reading through this today, and I, or not today, well, today too, yeah, but this week, and, and I was just like, oh my goodness, there's so much. Uh, I could preach a really long message on this. So I'm going to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I'm going to honor our, our series, but, but I do want to pull a couple things out of here that I think are so important for us. So if you give me a few minutes uh, to maybe pull a couple things out that apply directly to us today here uh, outside of what we talked about before this, and is Paul writing this letter to remind or to teach the church uh, or the Colossians uh, there, to remind them and to teach them that Christ is Lord, and that he is Savior. So you hear me say often, Lord and Savior. This portion of Scripture declares Lord and Savior. Supreme over all, Lord. Reconciled back to him through him, Savior. Right? So this portion capture of Scripture captures this concept that you hear me say all the time, especially in the American church or the Western church, where we focus, we tend to focus more on Savior because it preaches good. Right? We tend to focus more on Savior because it sounds good. We don't focus as much on Lord because that's harder. 
Like it's one thing to say, yes, Jesus is my savior. Yes, he healed me, he restores me, he forgives me, yes. How about he leads me, therefore I surrender my will to him. How about he leads me, therefore I surrender my resources to him. He leads me, therefore I surrender my life to him. Not as easy. But you can't have one without the other. Right? This is a, this is a uh, Jesus is Lord over all type thing. It's not, uh, in our world, we like to compartmentalize our lives. This is not that. This is, a, this is an all-encompassing understanding that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And I love this verse. If we go to verse 21 real quick, you're going to see a word in there, and it says you were separated. Some translations use the word alienated. Right. And so I want you to I want to look at this word here real quick in the Greek. It's a really long Greek. So in the ancient Greek, uh, this word uh, really ready. Let's do this together. Right. Apollo trio menius. Now, I'm sure I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. However, <laughs> however, um, I'm a nerd. Uh, but here's here's what it's translated literally transferred to another owner. Think about this for a moment. What an amazing word. It literally translates as transferred to another owner. Let me walk you through this. When, Christ cre- when, when God created humanity in the Garden of Eden, he created humanity, put us in the Garden of Eden, and his desire was to live with humanity. Right? Uh, and I mean, so he, in many words, Lord, so don't be offended by this, this is Lord, is he is our master. So if we're going to use the word owner for the sake of the definition of this word, we belong to him. He created us. For all you woodworkers out there and you're sitting in your garage one day and you create something fantastic, you take ownership over that. That is yours. I made this. And you're proud of it and you care for it, right? That is the same illustration. God created us. And he was proud of us and he cared for us and he, owned, he took ownership over us until sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, because God is holy and sin makes us unholy, what happens is there becomes a spiritual separation. This word alienated, when it says you were once separated from him or you were once alienated from him, is referring to this moment in history. When sin entered the world and we were transferred in ownership. If you, if you read a lot of scripture, it'll talk about how we are born into sin. Right? That from Adam down, we are born into sin. We are born into a sin nature. And that sin nature, what it does, it creates a spiritual separation between us and God. And what, what this word is saying in this moment of scripture is that we were once alienated or we were once separated or we were once, our ownership was transferred, which means that God had ownership over us. And then sin entered the world and our ownership was stolen, taken, transferred. And now you see through all of scripture is that's why I say the Bible is not a book of rules, but it is a relationship manual. As all through history, from that moment, God has been fighting to reconcile humanity back to him. To reclaim ownership, so to speak, of our lives. 
right? It's this God is, is wanting. And if you read through the Old Testament, all of these things, do this, do this, to, to, to find forgiveness of the sin so that we can be made holy so that we can have relationship with God, a transference of ownership from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God. And God has been fighting. This, this book that we carry, this book that we turn on, this book that we read is a manual on, on teaching us how God has been for all time trying to reconcile his creation back to him, to bring back into right relationship. And for the sake of this word here in Colossians, transfer ownership back to his kingdom. What a, what a beautiful understanding, but also it reveals something for us. Does it not? It reveals that in our lives, without Christ, we are in the wrong kingdom. Right? It reveals that within Christ, our ownership has been transferred. And the only way to be transferred back into the kingdom of God is because of Christ. And this is what this portion of scripture is really walking us through, that he is fully God, that he was in the world before it was created and everything was created through him and for him, right? That Jesus was beginning and the end, right? Like Jesus was there and created things and holds all of creation together. However, we were transferred, alienated, separated from him spiritually because of sin in our lives. And then the Easter story which is the single most important moment in all of history, of all of time. The single most important uh, story ever written is the Easter story. It's the Easter story that because we've been separated, because our, end, our ownership has been transferred, Jesus, fully God, fully man, comes to this earth, walks this earth, lives a sinless life, dies on the cross, sacrifices his life for us, goes, gets buried three days later, rises again to overcome, and through him, we are now reconciled back to him. I, I love this understanding this transference, that God through this, Paul is reminding them that we are made right with God because of what Christ did for us on the cross. It is in him and through him that we have our, our salvation. It is in him and through him that we have our healing. It is in him and through him that we obtain wholeness. It is in him and through him that our ownership is transferred back to the kingdom of God. It is Jesus. It is Jesus because Jesus is enough for your life. Jesus, it is transferring of ownership to be Lord and Savior. Now, let's move forward. So that's the Savior piece of it. Let's talk about the Lord piece of it. I want us to turn to verse 18 real quick. Uh, and there's a phrase here in the Lou Living Translation here at the end of verse 18. It says this, first in everything. Right? Can I just read uh, verse 18 to you uh, again? Because you're going you're gonna to want to capture this. It says, Christ is also the head of the church. 
Christ is the head of this church. We talked about this in our annual business meeting a couple weeks ago, that Christ is the head of this church. That the things we do and the decisions we make are to bring glory to God, singularly. It is not about a church, it's not about a pastor, it's not about an address, it's not about a name, it's about Jesus. And so everything we do and everything we say and every decision we make is because this right here, verse 18, Christ is the head of the church, which is his body. We are the body of Christ. We are, when we walk through this world, we represent him. We are the body of Christ. He is the beginning, here's this word again, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He is first in everything. First. He is first in creation. He is first in everything. This, this applies to any way you want to look at this, any angle you want to process this phrase in your life. Jesus is first in everything. I love the word everything because what does it leave out? Nothing, Nothing. <laughs> right? I mean, the word everything is fantastic because, right, because everything is everything. If I give you everything, what do I have left? Nothing, right? Like, I... I give you everything. <coughs> so this phrase here, first in everything, declares lordship in our lives. And let's walk this out a little bit. You know, so often you'll hear me say this phrase. You know, it's simple, but not easy. You know, so often in life we try to overcomplicate things. You know, we, we try to make it so profound or so complex. And can I just tell you, it's not that profound, it's not that complex. It's actually pretty simple. But can I tell you, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's for us when we use the phrase, find and follow Jesus in every area of your life. In fact, for each one of the baptism candidates, the last question I ask them is this. Are you committed to finding and following Jesus in every area of your life and in every day from this point forward? And they look at me and they say, yes. And I say, then I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Because that's what it's about. Because that's what it's about. It's about understanding and making a personal declaration that not just, hey, I want to go to church and call myself a Christian. It's about Savior, yeah, Lord, absolutely. It is about finding and following that Jesus is first in everything. So let's, let's, let's walk this out. Let's, let's try to figure this out a little bit. So um, is, he, is he first uh, in my family? Yes, okay. Um, let, me, let me try and find something that maybe I can uh, stump you guys on. Um, would he be first in your career decisions? Yes, oh, doggone it. Um, how about, uh, is he first in your financial decisions? Oh, I'm gonna, uh, give me a second, give me a second, give me a second. Um, Hmm. 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 You get the picture. First in everything. The struggle for us in our world, and we say this a lot here at Faith, because it's the, it's the real struggle for us. It's the task. It's the, it's the grind, so to speak, right? It's, it's the reality of us waking up every morning and realizing that Jesus is first. 
Not forgetting, right? Not forgetting. Not getting so busy in our own lives uh, to remember that Jesus is first. Like, like when you walk into work uh, and just like we do this every day or five days a week or so or how many days you work. I mean, like we walk into our office and we think, hey, I got I to gotta clock in. I got to, you know, do some things. I got to answer some emails. I got to do some work, whatever it may be. Uh, whatever your world is, I walk into school, <coughs> school five days a week. Sorry. I walk into school five days a week, right? And uh, hey, I go to school, I gotta go to class, I got all these things. Uh, it's, it's about remembering that in the midst of the mundane, Jesus is first, right? It's, it's about recognizing that Jesus is first in everything. So absolutely, when you walk into school, recognizing that Jesus is first in your life. And how do we do that? It's by recognizing his presence in our life. It's about being aware of his presence in our life. It's about listening to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads us. Because often, very often, it is in the routine and mundane areas of our life where God will show up very mightily. It is in the moments that we least expect him when God's word shows up. Or it's the moments that we were not looking when God inspires us or challenges us or encourages us to take a step of faith or to say something or to do something. It's in the routine. But what happens is if we forget, we miss. It's this reality, it's this discipline, so to speak, that Jesus Christ is first in everything. You know, I've used this verse so many times, you probably have it memorized with me, uh, but it's, it's one of these verses. I was talking to a group of uh, people this morning, and I said, there's, there's a handful of verses in Scripture that um, are so profound that I think if you would just capture these, you know, nine, ten verses and the understanding of them, it, it can transform you. One of them is a verse I use all the time, and it is Matthew 6, 33. Here's why, because it says this, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything you need. Now, just let that rest for a second. So if you seek God, when? First. Some translations say, seek first the kingdom of God. Right, so first. We seek him first and live in a way that honors him. Guess what the result of that is? God, God gives us what we need. Now, maybe not what we want, but, but he gives us what we need. Think about that for a second. Think about, sometimes we walk through life and there are things that we feel like we need. I need wisdom. Well, hey, let me, let me simple but not easy, right? I, let me give you, a, you need wisdom? What's the Bible say? Ask for it. Uh, listen, I know that's so profound. I mean, there are people in here right now, mind's blown. <laughs> What? I know, what? Seriously, the Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask for it. The Bible says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, or seek first the kingdom of God, live righteously, and he will give you what you need. I mean, you go, man, that's so simple. Yeah. But is it easy? No. Why? Because we're humans, and we get in the rhythms, and we get caught up in the rat race of life. And we tend to forget that Jesus is first in everything. Lord and Savior. See, Paul is writing this letter uh, to the Colossians to inform them of Jesus' role in our life. 
Paul's writing this letter as the worship team comes on up. We get ready to close here in a minute. The, the, Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians to, to help uh, clean up some misunderstandings that are happening in that area, in that region. Uh, he's writing this letter to help them understand something that they didn't quite understand yet. And that is this. And that is that Jesus is Lord. That he is God. He is fully God. He was there in the beginning. He was in there. He was present. That everything was created in him, through him, and for him. In fact, he holds all of creation together, Colossians told us. Right? Like, he is fully God. And because he is fully God, he then has the authority, the power, the ability as fully God to also become Savior. You know what's really interesting about this Lord and Savior talk is that this, if he's not Lord, then he can't be Savior. So sometimes when we want to focus on Jesus as Savior, because that's the fun stuff, right? That's the good stuff, right? Can I tell you that if he's not Lord, he can't be Savior. Why? Because without being Lord, he doesn't have the authority to be Savior, but because he's Lord, he has the authority. And Paul is telling the Colossians, listen, he is Lord. He is God. And because of that, we are reconciled back to God through him. It is through the Easter story that creates a pathway for us to know him and the understanding in our lives, the simple but not easy reality of this Colossians message is this, is that Jesus is first in everything. In whatever decision you are making, Jesus is first. In whatever struggle you have, Jesus is first. Hey, can I flip it for a second? Because I know so often churches and pastors like me like to focus on the negative. How about this? In every job promotion you receive, Jesus is first. How about this? In every blessing that is poured out on you, Jesus is first. Think of the blessing of your firstborn child. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. I just want to kiss your head. I love you. You're so sweet. <laughs> Levi, you're so sweet too. Number two, where's Noah? He's in the balcony. He doesn't sit with the family. He sits with his other family. <laughs> Noah has four families. He's been adopted. I just want to kiss your head. You too, Stone. And you too, Hunter. Uh, anyways, uh, here, think of that. Think of that blessing. Oh, the joys of our life. Jesus is first in the good and in the bad. He is first in the mundane and the routine. He is first in the insignificant and he is first in the life-changing. Jesus is first in everything. And the reality for us in our life is this discipline to remember that Jesus is first, to make Jesus first. That's that's the challenge for us. And when we make Jesus first, oh, God's presence 
Well, I'll just tell you what Matthew says. We make Jesus first. He'll give us what we need. And if you're in need today, make Jesus first. You know, if we could stand here today. I'm so thankful for this letter that Paul wrote to the, uh, to the Colossians because it really begins to help us understand that there are people out there that will twist the truth. There are people that will try to twist the truth to whether it be to distract us or they'll twist the truth to uh, try to, um, uh, you know, shift our focus from uh, or, or to change our path, <laughs> change our course. They'll twist the truth because sometimes <coughs> the truth can be self-serving or the serf, it can be sacrificial and they want to twist the truth so that for whatever they need, right? The reality is in our own world today, there are people that twist the truth. I, I love this portion of scripture here in Colossians. I'm thankful for Paul writing this letter because once again, what it does, it, it in many ways just plants a flag in the ground. It says, here's the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. The truth is, is that Jesus is Lord. That Jesus is fully God. And because God loves you more than you'll ever fully understand until you stand before him face to face, because God loves you more than that, you, that you could ever realize, he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. Why? Because he wants relationship with us. Why? Because our ownership has been transferred and he wants us back into his kingdom with everything so much so. He wants that so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. The sacrifice that God the Father makes is very real. Why? Because he loves you. Jesus is fully God and he is Lord. And because he is Lord, he is our savior. And every day waking up, thanking him for his goodness in our lives and remembering that he is first in our life let us be that disciplined so that God's will be done, right? And hear of faith so that all can hear the message of Jesus Christ. There are thousands of people that wake up every morning around this area without hope. And you are God's chosen person to represent him to them. And this is that scripture that they need to understand that he is Lord and he is Savior. Can we just commit our hearts this morning to say, Jesus, can we answer the question that Jesus asked in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke? Who do you say that I am? Can we answer the question that I asked all the those who got baptized today? Shauna, Sylvie, and Jake. Are you committed to finding and following Jesus in every area of your life? And from this day to the end of your life? Can we just declare then in our heart that the answer to that is yes? That it's yes. And that is simple, but it is not easy. Can we make that declaration today? I want to encourage you that we'll have some people come forward to pray with you. And if you want to come down to the altar and just spend some time with the Lord, you can. If you want to stay at your seat, spend some time with the Lord, you can. But in these next few minutes, what I want you to wrestle with is that question. Will you commit to the Lord, to Jesus as Lord and Savior, to find and follow him for the rest of your life? 
and in every area of your life. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you want to know more about Faith Church, text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your